and that's uh, late 24, early 25, is when we will get the blow off with long-term 10-year US treasuries by mid 24, probably rising to 11% plus. Uh, so we will have internal uh, problems in the market. At the same time, the war weather in Europe, Asia, or the Middle East intensifying. So that will lead us into, frankly, a depression, which will be similar to what was experienced in 2932. Welcome to Wealthion. I'm Wealthion founder Adam Taggart. Today we hear from Simon Hunt, one of the world's foremost experts on the copper industry. When Simon first appeared on this program back in March, he forecasted that extremely volatile times lay ahead that will be punctuated by fierce rallies and sharp declines, with the overall trend moving from stagflation to deflation. This seems to indeed be the script that may be playing out here in 2022. Simon also told us that by 2025, he sees a good chance of the massive pile of trillions in global unserviceable debt will go into default, resulting in an immensely painful economic crisis, potentially a global depression. Now, given that half a year has gone by, we thought we'd check in with Simon to see how his forecast is changing, if at all. Simon, thanks so much for joining us today, all the way from Dubai. Oh, my pleasure. Nice to be back. Well, it's wonderful to have you on the program, Simon. And as I was uh, telling you before we turn the cameras on here, your appearance back in March, uh, that interview has been the most watched video in Wealthion's history. So wow. not to put undue pressure on you, but let's see what we can uh, conjure up today. Well, let's right, see look, what we'll, we have to say. Yeah, we'll see. No pressure, though. Um, all right. Well, look, let's let's begin at the high level. I, I sort of mentioned there in the intro that we um, we're here to kind of get an update on uh, the the future as you see it. Um, so why don't I just sort of start with my general question here, which is what is your uh, current outlook and assessment of the global economy and financial markets? And maybe with the tweak of, you know, if anything materially has changed since the last time you were on this program, that's affecting your outlook. The big change is that we should be focusing on war. As an old wise friend said to me when we were chatting the other day, Simon, we are in World War III. And when you strip out the niceties and see what Washington, London and Brussels are throwing into Ukraine, not just uh, funds and military equipment, much of which actually never gets there, but the fact from reports that I have that Ukraine's war against Russia is being conducted by American and UK officers somewhere around Kiev. So this is going to have enormous implications 
for monetary and fiscal policies. First, central banks will be, will have to look at the consequences of war in policy making. Thus, I think it's very likely that with the Fed tightening, less credit going into the system, and with rates rising, that there will be an accident in financial markets. And that will be the excuse for the Fed to stop tightening and to go back by the end of this year, back to QE. Because the focus, although inflation will be having a temporary fall, the focus will be much more on weakness of the economy uh, and um, uh, the start of rising unemployment and the consequences of war. That will be bound to come into their thinking. So what we see happening is a continued falls in a volatile manner of equity markets into say the spring of next year. The dollar falls off its peak and will probably fall by something like 13% into the spring. Uh, commodity markets will continue to uh, fall, um, but inflation, though having a dip, will still remain high, and we will see a resurgence of inflation accompanied by the dollar falling very sharply uh, into later into 23 and 24. And that's uh, late 24, early 25, is when we will get the blow off with long-term 10-year US treasuries by mid 24, probably rising to 11% plus. Uh, so we will have internal uh, problems in the market. At the same time, the war weather in Europe, Asia, or the Middle East intensifying. So that will lead us into, frankly, a depression, which will be similar to what was experienced in 2932. So uh, in that environment, you can see copper prices falling to $6,200 by the spring of next year. And then with QE uh, um, uh, inflation taking off uh, because of um, oil prices probably reaching $250 in the middle of 2024 and food inflation having a, a massive resurgence, first because of the drought in Europe, 
And secondly, in 2024, the US Midwest has a 90 year drought cycle, which was last seen in the 1930s in what was described as the Dust Bowl decade. So in a nutshell, that's how we see the world evolving. Well, all right, Simon, you do not disappoint. Um, you just dropped uh, an awful lot uh, on us there. Um, I'm not even sure where to start, but I, I guess I should start where you did, which is uh, your sentiment that this is indeed World War III that is going on right now in basically being waged right now in Ukraine. Um, but but basically, it's a battle between the West and Russia and perhaps uh, the alliances that it's it's tightening now. That it's, 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 well, uh, actually, um, Adam, it, it, it goes back a long way. It goes back to 2001 when the Shanghai Cooperative Organization was formed. And part of their agenda then was to look at developing an alternative financial system. Because even back then, China and Russia understood the games that the West was playing, which was not just to control and contain China and Russia, but in effect to dismember them. All right, so you talk about that. You, in a recent report, you said uh, something very similar. Russia and China understand fully the intent of America and its allies, which is to take out the two competitors from their world-dominating status. For them, it is survival. So there will Correct. be no early end to the war and thus to Russia resuming fossil fuel exports to the Western alliance. So that seems to be the great story you say is playing out Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So... Um, uh, I, I want to get to some of your comments about central banks and what you think it's going to, you know, the ripple effects that will manifest in the markets and the economy, but, but staying at this level for a moment. So um, it, it, it seems like we have, you know, in some ways, in your eyes, an existential conflict going on here, um, where it's not just a, a play over immediate resources or a, a political dispute. It, it's really... The West versus the East, and uh, and and both sides are playing for keeps. So, where do you see things going from here? How it ends, who knows? But what we piece together, trying to put our dots together, is that within three years and possibly sooner rather than later, that the new world will start operating their new currency, which is linked to 20 odd commodities, but those commodities are not priced in dollars. They are valued in grams of gold. This, right. change, this changes 
the global balances enormously. I think it is very likely from my chats in this part of the world that it won't be long before oil is sold not in dollars, but in some other currency. All right, and it's worth re repeating for folks watching here that you are based in Dubai, uh, so that you are in the Middle East, you are close to the oil producers, um, you spent most of your career in the commodity space, you've got a lot of contacts in China as well. Um, so you're not just a, a fellow with an opinion, you're somebody with a deep expertise and professional experience dealing with the cultures, countries, et cetera, that, that you're talking about here. Yeah. All right. So um, in another one of your recent pieces, you wrote by 2030 and probably within just two to three years, um, the world will operate under two systems, a dollar fiat world and a world where values are linked to gold, a part of the world which will control most commodities, whether oil, gas, coal or copper. Um, so it seems to be what you were saying there, where we're going to have this sort of global bifurcation where the world isn't going to run on the dollar as the world reserve currency part of the world still will but it sounds like you think that that you foresee uh the 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 east plus russia uh, part of the world plus maybe some of the african nations some of the south american nations yeah. Yeah. uh these all you know commodity producing countries banding together creating their own competing monetary system to uh, the, the dollar uh, reserve currency. And um, I mean, that is going to have lots of different implications. But you say, as you say, these countries are also the ones that sort of control the flow of the commodities that the global economy operates on. So, um, I mean, this could be just incredibly disruptive. So I'm trying to I'd love to get yeah, a sense for how you how you think this is going to happen. Are we going to will it emerge and and we'll just sort of have, you know, the, the world just figure out how to work this way, or or will it kind of break things for a while and then we're going to have to see what emerges from the dust. First, before we get on to that, <clears throat> let me give a, an illustration, please, as to uh, how big the consequences are. We took copper prices back to 1980. And in dollar terms, prices rose by four and a half times and costs rose by three and a half times. Convert the costs and prices into grams of gold. And you had costs only rising by 13% since 1980 and prices only by 48%. So in effect, what <clears throat> the producers of copper were receiving was a fiat currency. It had nothing to do with the dynamics of the industry. And if you look at a $1980, today it's only worth 25 cents. I think that this is starting to be thought through within the commodity producing world. Do they want to continue to receive a currency that depreciates in value every year? 
They want value for what they're producing. The problem then is how is the West, the Western Alliance going to accommodate this new world? And I don't, I don't have that answer. Um, uh, it could well be that the Western Alliance has to go down that route itself. But these are, this is what will happen, I think, during the years of depression, which we foresee starting late 2024 and probably going through into 2027. Okay, uh, gosh, so many questions here. Um, I wanna to get to the depression topic in just a second, uh, but to stay here on the new global monetary order, um, I'm not a geopolitical strategist, um, but I, I just can't imagine the West or really the US specifically uh, giving up its stranglehold on the world reserve currency, you know, without a fight here. Um, well, yeah, I agree because um, in, as I said, in one report that uh, if the new world introduces this new currency, it's the beginning of the end of Americans' hegemony. Will they, will they accommodate this? Probably not. So what does that mean? It means war. And, and presumably a more direct war than what one might yeah. say is the proxy yes. war that's being waged in Ukraine right yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think, I think actually, uh, I won't be at all surprised <clears throat> if by the end of this year, the war that's been contained within the Ukraine borders doesn't actually go across into other countries. Meaning a, 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 a Russian advance outside of Ukraine into other countries, or well, I think the I think um, I think the the West I think there'll be some event which will force Russia to actually. have to use hostilities in order to suppress what the West will try and do, whether it's the Baltic states, whether it's um, Poland, who knows. But I think right. these, are the, these are the events which are likely to happen in some form or another. It's not going to be a war that is contained within Ukraine. Okay. Come um, back to my base. Sorry, I come yep. back to my basic thesis, which is that security of Russia's borders is a very sensitive issue for them since they've been invaded about 20 times since the 15th century. So, NATO, America has abrogated the treaties that were signed in 1990 between Russia 
and America that the, that NATO would not advance towards NATO's border, towards Russia's borders. That's been happening. Right. So it's not just Ukraine, it's the whole of their borders. Right, right. All right, so, um, you know, the challenge here is, is, is this is so multifactorial of what could happen. And obviously if we, you know, if this thing really went off the rails and we had just escalated into a, a massive kinetic war between Russia and the West, I mean, it's hard to imagine what could happen there. But I, I believe your thesis that you laid out at the beginning doesn't necessarily uh, revolve around that specific uh, potentiality that um, let, let's assume for a minute that what, what I'm hearing you saying is, look, the, the, the issue between the rest and Russia not going to go away, may likely worsen over time. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that to the side as much as I can for just a minute um, and make sure I understand the rest of your outlook here, which is that um, uh, as that is going on, uh, and let's assume for a minute that it's still relatively contained to where it is right now. The central banks are, um, you see them as uh, they're fighting inflation right now. Uh, you see inflation coming down probably for a number of reasons, global economy slowing, organic demand destruction as prices have gotten really high, um, energy supplies are getting constrained and that brings down economic activity. The central banks are tightening. That's going to start to bite soon. A whole, whole lot of things are going to begin to start bringing inflation down. Not, it's not going to go away, but it's going to come down. Right. And at some point, you think they are going to, to pivot, I guess, to use the common word out there, um, by saying, okay, we were more concerned about inflation, but now we're more concerned about the recession that we're, we're hurtling into. Um, and then they're gonna they're gonna pivot back to easing. Um, uh, if things continue to worsen between the West and Russia, maybe they're gonna part of that too is gonna be easing so they can fund some of the yeah, more exactly, you know, militaristic exactly. pursuits. Yeah. Um, so if I if I followed you, and I don't know if I got the the dates exactly right, but you, you see a period, I'm gonna say maybe starting sort of end of this year, where the recession really starts to bite. Um, we see market prices go down. We see prices of commodities go down. Um, uh, and then the, then the central banks, you know, they do their pivot. Um, we, we have uh, maybe a, a, a resumption of prices heading back up as, as we reignite inflation. Correct. Um, you then talked about um, at some point, you know, we hit a blow off top, maybe because of all this uh, and concern about future inflation and whatever. Um, you said the U you see the U.S. Treasury rates getting up to about 11 percent or higher. Right. Uh, and, and then there's there's um, maybe it's because inflation runs amok and we need to tighten or maybe inflation just runs amok and kind of just breaks the economy. But you, you see us then tipping into a depression you said can so you're nodding as i've got the i think i've got the general arc right but feel free to clarify that in any way and what what do you see causing this depression of around 20 late 2024 2025 very simple what is 10-year treasuries going to do to the financial markets in america yeah i mean it's going to break the credit markets <laughs> <laughs> and then on the other side of it as that happens, 
the war, the intensity of war is probably going to continue to increase through 2024. So you've right, got so the we, two things coming together. Okay, so we've, we've got this kind of um, uh, breakdown of the global economy, right? Um, yeah. Uh, caused by high, high runaway inflation uh, and then the rates rising in response to that, basically just kind of seizing credit markets, throwing the economy into cardiac arrest. And at the same time, a worsening situation in the tensions between the Western sure. Alliance yeah. and, and everybody else. Okay. Um, pretty scary outlook here, uh, Simon. And I know that, I know. that, that you're, I know. you're calling it as you see it. You know, you're not pushing uh, an agenda here. I was, I was born in Yorkshire and Yorkshiremen are renowned for saying what they think. <laughs> All right. Um, well, look, I want to dig into this a little bit more, but but I also should should bring up another topic you mentioned here, which was drought. So, in the midst of of an economic and a and a geopolitical crisis, it sounds like there's going to be, uh, you know, a climate one affecting food supplies and whatnot. Um, Correct. True. Okay. Yeah. And, and I'm curious. I mean, we—I know a lot of people are talking about this, but what, what data are you looking at that that give you the confidence that that's going to continue to be one of the big issues here? Um, one of the meteorologists that I follow, who's been very accurate, showing that in 24-25 we get the 90-year Gleisberg cycle coming in, and the last time we saw that in the 1930s was when we had the Dust Bowl. Okay. This hits the US Midwest, which is a huge producer of agricultural products. Okay, so, um... Somebody might be watching this video and saying, oh, my gosh, this sounds almost apocalyptic. Um, I do have in my notes from from our last conversation that um, you did sort of end on a degree of positivity, saying that at least back when we talked in March, you, you saw sort of some hope that after we make it through this depressionary era, <laughs> that there was sort of a chance to rebuild in a more sane way or, or you know, bring the economy back to life in a way where maybe we, we've moved on from some of the biggest abuses and excesses that led us to this place in the first place. Do you still have any sort of, you know? Yeah, um, I think it it depends upon... American politics, who wins the election in 2024? Okay, and uh, I presume the sentiment there is is um, sort of whatever the leadership of America decides that's still gonna drive much of the action on the world stage? Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, all right, well look, uh, I, I think the question on most people's minds it, it right now is, okay, uh, how do I try to make it through the next couple of years uh, without getting completely wiped out, um, you know, or impacted by the events that Simon's uh, predicting here? So I do want to get to that in just a minute. A minute. Um, real quick, though, I do just want to talk about sort of the, the new monetary system 
for a moment. Um, so basically, you know, you've said that uh, the the Eastern Alliance, we'll call it to counter your term Western Alliance, um, is going to create a, uh, a, a currency uh, that's backed by a basket of commodities, but it's priced in grams of gold. Um, and uh, that will that will not be a fiat currency, right? It will be backed by real exactly. tangible wealth. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we haven't had a world non-fiat currency for a while now. Yeah. You know, most most major currencies around the world right now, in fact, probably all of them I, that I know of are are fiat based. Um, and and I'm I, I there, there's a term called Gresham's law when it comes to money. Um, which is that basically um, bad money chases out good money. You know, people people want to hold on to the the currency that actually has real worth, and they want to spend the the currency they think has has less value. Um, so I, I can imagine in this this new more you know bifurcated system, um, there'd probably be extreme demand for the backed currency. And people would want to be getting rid of their fiat currency for as long as they could get away with it to exchange it for the new one. Um, is that sort of the dynamic you see here? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Quite exactly how it's going to work. It's too early days to, to work out. Um, three of us are actually putting a paper together on it. Um, Alistair McLeod, you probably know. Yeah, I well, interviewed him on this well, channel a week ago, two weeks and ago. And my Chilean mining friends, Plus Plus Mining, and myself, uh, hopefully we'll have the report out um, by the middle of November. Um, because from a, from a, uh, a, a copper point of view or any metal point of view, it's the consequences are just so humongous. And then you add it into what are the oil producers going to do? And I think the oil producers, it won't be long before they say, why should be, we be receiving depreciating dollars all the time? So I think, uh, it's going to be a major, major change in the world system. Okay. And I just want to note for folks, probably most viewers know this, but but some may not. You know, we've seen examples of this in relatively recent history. So um, folks maybe know to a certain extent that the U.S., dollar used to be backed by gold, you know, in some way, shape or form. And uh, that was severed by Richard Nixon in the early 70s. And the main reason he did that is because um, to fund the Vietnam War and a lot of what was going on at the time, uh, the U.S. And was running out of gold. <laughs> yeah, it, well, the U.S. was spending money, more money than it had gold to back it. And other nations woke up to this, I think France in particular, and yeah. started demanding delivery of gold in exchange for yeah. the, the dollars exactly. that they held. And yeah. very quickly, the U.S. realized we're, we're going to be out of gold really quickly. And so Nixon did what's called slamming the gold window shut. Right. Um, and you're basically saying once the world is faced with a choice again, it'll say, well, I can take these fast depreciating fiat dollars or I can take something that's backed by something real. And logic dictates they'll, they'll highly likely uh, 
choose the latter. J just to go back to a comment you just made there, um, you, you said it'll be the impacts will be tremendous for the copper market. And um, well, is all, that all metal markets? All okay, all, all, markets, all metal markets. Yeah. But but I, I want to dig into that with you uh, just to understand what you meant by that. Is is it because there'll be greater monetary demand for these metals now, and so that's going to move their prices up, or is it because the producers want this new currency? Or when you said it's going to be tremendous, what what exactly were you talking about there? Well, if you look back to what's happened since 1980, your costs of production are virtually flat. Your prices are only rising in very nominal terms. What you are seeing then is the real dynamics of the industry. Instead of the dynamics being because of currency devaluation. Got it. Okay, it, meaning you know they'll 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 want to deal with it because um, it'll be a truer market. Yeah. Right? The, yeah. yeah. Okay. And you you will receive a currency with with value. Right. And so I guess the big question here, and, and now we're just completely speculating and who knows, but um, we talked about how this is a direct challenge to the American hegemony, given the fact that it today has the global reserve currency. And I guess the question is, is, you know, does the U.S. attack that directly head on and try to prevent it from from even coming into the world? Um, or does it say, look, Fiat was a good gig while we had it, but uh, now the world's moving away from it, so we need to have our own backed currency and now compete this thing. Exactly, exactly. And it comes back to a comment I made earlier. Uh, it's going to depend who's in the White House. Okay, yeah. All right, well, let me um, let me ask you this. So what is all this? I mean, it'll impact the price of all commodities, as you mentioned, but since this new commodity you believe will be priced in grams of gold, what will this do for the gold price? What's your outlook on gold right now? Uh, short term, probably down because of the dollar, but that's very short term. Um, we can see at least $2,500 gold in a, where are we, 22, in a couple of years' time. I'm sorry, you say 5,000? No, 2,500. 2,500, okay, sorry. We can see at least that. But it, it, it can be significantly higher. All right, and maybe this is part of the paper you're working on with Alistair and, and others. Um, if, if, we, if we actually have this competing currency uh, launch that's priced in grams of gold, do you... I think there's an important part of this equation is how much does Russia and how much does China actually hold in gold? Mm -hmm. Because the published figures are just a small part of the total. For Russia, their actual gold holdings is around 12,000 tons, of which the central bank holds, I've forgotten the figure, 1,200 or 1,500. Okay, the and just, just, just held, for comparison, the US has 8,000 tons? Supposedly. Okay, supposedly, but that's what they're reporting in Fort yeah, Knox. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. 
Okay, so so you're saying that uh, that you calculate that Russia actually Russia actually has more than America right now. I'm curious, yeah. how do you get to that number? Um, uh, good information. Okay, <laughs> all right, all right. We'll we'll go back to your you being a very uh, connected man, uh, people in, in that part of the world. Okay, and that's just Russia, obviously. And we know that China's been on a big buying binge. Um, most people believe that you really can't believe the published Chinese numbers. And my guess is you don't believe them, but you you believe the actual numbers are probably higher than what China's currently reporting? Yeah, I mean, Alistair's done a lot, Alistair McLeod has done a lot of work on, on this, and uh, he concluded that, uh, 34, that um, China owns about 52,000 tons, of which about 17, 18,000 is held by the public, having bought the gold off the Shanghai Gold Exchange. The rest is held by different um, um, uh, Chinese ministries, which includes the PLA, and to uh, uh, tell a little story about it, um, a very good uh, a friend of mine, Japanese friend of mine, uh, had a lot of uh, um, companies in China and said to me, uh, I have to know a lot of different people, one of which was a very senior general. I was invited down to headquarters um, for drinks, four o'clock one afternoon. And as he said to me, at six o'clock, I got a tap on the shoulder. Let's go for a walk. So he walked across the compound into, and there was a, a huge warehouse. And as he said, the doors opened, my jaws dropped because stacked from floor to ceiling were bars of gold. So just a little anecdotal story to illustrate that gold is actually held not only by the central bank. All right, uh, that's a fascinating story. Um, okay, so just doing some math in my head here. Um, how much gold did you again think that China generally had? 50 odd, 50,000 50 odd, odd 52. Okay, and you said that Russia- ask Alistair was... for his latest number because it's probably gone up since we last chatted. Okay, but but if I'm just doing my simple math correctly, we take Russia's eleven thousand, we add that 12, to the 50, twelve, yeah, twelve thousand. We add that to to fifty thousand, roughly. Uh, with China, that's just between those two countries, about sixty thousand uh, tons. Um, again, compared to the eight thousand that we believe yeah. America has, we believe the numbers there. Um, so they have much more gold much more tons of gold to back a new currency than america would yeah right yeah all right um i was so i was going to go back and ask my question of do you think that if if gold truly became money again on on the global on a global scale would that take the 2500 and ounce you you think we could have in a couple of years and catapult it to some crazy high number and maybe you still think it can, but I'm curious if there's a lot more gold out there than is currently being reported, is there the risk that the gold price might actually come down because the 
denominator of, of, of tons is much bigger than we thought it was. I think the gold will remain volatile, but the trend will probably be up. But yeah, you'll get you'll get the big big corrections. There will be an incentive for Chinese consumers who 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 own seventeen thousand odd tons of gold. Times are difficult. Let me sell a bit. All right. So. Um... All right. Well, well, well fascinating. And, and, and how, I'm just curious, we're speculating here again. How, how how quickly do you think a new currency like this can come into existence? Um, obviously, launching a new multinational currency isn't a simple thing. Um, and there's a lot of logistics involved when you actually have to back it with physical metal versus just a printing press. Is this something you see that's just going to be sort of unveiled and it's in its in existence? Or is this something that's going to start in one corner of the world and slowly expand over the next decade or more? I think it will start um, with between the BRICS plus members. SCO. It's sort of like a trade settlement currency. It will be to settle cross-border transactions and probably to, to value uh, their own domestic assets. That's how it will start. Okay. And when? My guess is any time in the next three years. Okay. And, and obviously, you know, probably likely influenced by what happens between the, the Western yeah, Alliance uh, and Russia, because absolutely. right right now, at least, we've we've provided incentive for the Eastern Bloc to accelerate its de-dollarization yeah. issues. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right. OK, so let's get to the question of the hour here, which is um, you, you've, you've talked about um, war. <laughs> you've talked about runaway inflation. You've talked about just absolutely crushing uh, cost of debt. You've talked about depression and then drought. Um, for prudent investors that are concerned by that outlook and would, would very much like to not become collateral damage along the way, um, what type of advice do you have for them? Are, are there certain types of, of assets that you think are, are, are good to hold at each one of these phases? Um, for example, I might think you might say in the short term, holding cash is a pretty good idea, but you might want to get out of it as soon as the pivot comes along. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you tell me. Yeah, let me answer the question a slightly different way, I think. Our interview with Simon will continue over in part two, which will be released on this channel tomorrow as soon as we're finished editing it. To be notified when it comes out, subscribe to this channel if you haven't already by clicking on the subscribe button below, as well as that little bell icon right next to it. And be sure to hit the like button too while you're down there. And remember, we're continuing our new practice of publishing my top takeaways from these weekly interviews. To get mine from this interview with Simon for free, just go to wealthion.com slash adamsnotes. And finally, if the challenging macro outlook that Simon's detailed in this interview has you feeling a little vulnerable about the prospects for your wealth, then consider scheduling a free, no-strings-attached portfolio review by a financial advisor who can help manage your wealth, keeping in mind the trends and risks that Simon has mentioned here. Just go to Wealthion.com and we'll help set one up for you. 
Okay, I'll see you next in part two of our interview with Simon Hunt.